Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us here. I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, let's start with a timely quote from one of the great saints in our church. Wisdom enters through love, silence, and mortification. It is great wisdom to know how to be silent and to look at neither the remarks nor the deeds nor the lives of others. End quote from St. John of the Cross and someone who knew a lot about contemplation and the silent life and uh, also a saint that we did a podcast on about a year and a half ago. And it was kind of funny when I found this quote from St. John of the Cross, I also saw a quote from Chris Rock, the comedian. By no means am I suggesting that you track down Chris Rock and listen to his material. Uh, Certainly not always the most uh, efficacious when it comes to spirituality and helping you grow in your relationship with Christ. But he did say a couple interesting things here recently. And and one was that he called America's biggest addiction, and I would say probably Canada's as well, is attention. That's what people are looking for is attention. So I think of social media and Twitter and Facebook, uh, Instagram. uh, We're all craving this attention. And and building up to, to that particular observation from Chris, he also says, quote, we used to want love. Now we just want likes. So interesting observations from Chris Rock, but I think what it points to is a greater conversion in our own hearts and our own souls to point towards Jesus Christ. We live in the world. Of course, a lot of us work secular jobs and it's not always easy living in the world, but uh, we can't be of the world. And part of not being of the world is taking ourselves out of the world for a retreat, for personal prayer time. And if you do get that opportunity, go to the Catholic Church. Go to see Jesus, always present, always waiting for us to come and spend some time with him. And whether that's 15 minutes, try to do an hour if you can, but even 15 minutes, if you can just duck out, say some prayers, but also have that silence where you just let the Lord speak to you. And I know that's something I struggle with in my daily life is there's just so much noise. I love listening to podcasts and I like listening to music sometimes as well. And then of course, throughout the day with my job and my other duties with my family, there is not a lot of time for silence, but I need to make the time. I know that that's something I need to do. And as we record this during the Lenten season, it is something that I am definitely aspiring to do. And uh, it could be something that we can do, not just Lent, but 365 days a year, finding that silent time with our Lord so that we can be nourished spiritually and strengthened spiritually so that we can take on the spiritual battle that we're up against in our lives. So I was so happy to have Ruben Nava. A lot of you know exactly who he is from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. He's taking a little bit of a break from being on the radio, but he's still doing a lot of interesting and worthy works in the church and so happy to call him a brother in Christ. And he joins us in this episode to share, well, a little bit about the spiritual battle that us Catholics are up against and also the beauty of the traditional Latin Mass. I had a chance to attend not that long ago Quite enjoyed it and uh, really uh, brought me back to the place of silence and reverence and how important our disposition is when we attend Mass. So without further ado, here's our good friend Ruben Nava. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, Ruben Nava is a retired sergeant with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And he's an attender of the traditional Latin Mass, a staunch supporter of the perennial teachings of Holy Mother Church. He's also a guest host now on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, 
And my personal favorite network, as all of you know, many of those shows are on my podcast list for sure. So uh, just so blessed to be joined again by Ruben Nava. Ruben, welcome back to the Great White North of Canada. Thank you, David. It's good to be with you. Well, a lot of our listeners listen to Virgin Most Powerful Radio as well. They know you as uh, one of the voices for many years. I think you said offline that was four years you were with uh, uh, the program Jesus 911 on spiritual warfare. It's a fantastic program. It's still going on. But uh, now you've taken a little bit of a seat, uh, a back seat now. But I guess you're still uh, in the bullpen. Maybe let's use a sports term, Ruben. I know you're a sports fan, so you're still available. But what else are you up to now here the last couple months? Uh, what other apostolates are, are you working on? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I uh, haven't really um, gotten into any other apostolates, but uh, I have, uh, you know, I got a, I'm a grandfather now, so spending more time with my granddaughter and, uh, you know, we're, we're helping my son uh, watch, watch her um, sometimes throughout the weeks. And um, I'm, I'm also really diving into my, uh, you know, trying to, to get to more uh, daily masses and and do my my Lenten uh, penances and uh, trying to delve into my my extensive library of books so that I could really build myself and you know become uh, you know a better version of myself and um, you know I'm still uh, a director with the sheriff's department's athletic association and I still coach the department soccer teams and so the season is is uh is upon us so i've been getting out with the the fellas and and um just trying to be that uh you know be that mentor to these young men and help them build their themselves up you know in their careers and in their uh spiritual life you know physical and psychological well-being and and uh so my wife's uh just recently officially retired from the sheriff's department she uh she served 31 years, and she did a lot of big things in her career, working on um, our major narcotics teams. And uh, so they they do the more than more than the the local uh, street level uh, bus. They they go after the big stuff, you know, the cartel loads, you know, mm. 30 kilos here. 100 pounds of meth over here, you know, large quantities of money see. So I'm glad to see her safe and that, uh, you know, the Lord brought her home every night. And uh, now we can um, spend our uh, retirement uh, doing what we want to do. And um, traveling the world is, was one of our goals. And maybe buying another property outside of California so that, mm. you know, we can go um, have the best of both worlds. And, and, um, my goal would be to to maybe one day buy a big property that I can build other houses on and see if my uh, my children want to want to join me and um and move out of California uh for the, your listeners that up there in Canada maybe they, they they maybe they know or maybe they don't know that California is the highest tax state in the in the United States and uh just the the immorality that goes on here um because the Hollywood scene and a lot of the, the, you know, the, the music industry, it's, um, the governor we have here, he's, he's much like your, uh, prime minister up there. So, uh, another apostate, mm-hmm. we have more people leaving California than ever before. It's never happened. We always were one of the States that were, you know, getting people coming in, but, but not leaving because of the weather, you know, we, 
one day we can go to the snow one day and then go to the beach that same day. You know, uh, it's, it's remarkable. Um, mm-hmm. So. And sad too, right, Ruben? Because yeah. California, I mean, just look at the names of the cities. They're all named yeah. after Catholic saints. Exactly. So the, the legacy of faith and Catholicism, uh, it really exploded in California, didn't it? Like that's where the roots of Catholicism are, at least for me. I know that the oldest parish, I believe, in the U.S. is in Florida. I think it's at, uh, aptly named St. Augustine, I think is the oh. name of the actual city itself. But right. but it seems like the, the, the faith, the Catholic faith particularly, really uh, started flourishing in the United States out right. of California. Is that, right. that be the, fair to say? Yeah. yeah, you you have the the whole missions, all the California missions, uh, Saint Junipero Serra helped uh, found, and I grew up in San Gabriel, you know, named after Archangel Gabriel, and uh, the the mission was only you know a couple miles from my house and across the street from my high school, and um, so it like you said, there's you could one city after another, San Juan Capistrano, San Luis Obispo, San. Santa Barbara, Saint mm-hmm. Santa Monica, Los Angeles, you know, mm-hmm. the angels. Or even the state capital, Sacramento. Didn't even put two and two together until I was quite a bit yeah. older, but named after the Blessed Sacrament of the Eucharist. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, it's the faith here in California. It, there's there's pockets of really uh, on-fire Catholics, and then other regions, it's not so much. So uh, that's... It's one thing that uh, to to be a Catholic, and another thing to you know to wear it on your sleeve, you know that, and so that uh, you're open to criticism or scrutiny, and uh, you know when somebody is practicing their faith, then others that you know, like the old saying goes, you know, misery loves company, so they want to see you fall or they want to see you catch you, uh, you know, were that you looking at that? Were you looking at that woman? You know, or you know. Mm-hmm. They, you know, um, the, by the, you know, the conversations you have, they, they want to see if you, you can slip up or for, you're walking the walk basically. So it's good because it kind of holds you accountable um, because you don't want to be a scandal to those, those people that you're trying to influence. And, you know, how's the old saying go, the, you know, live your life in such a way that people who don't know God, but who know you will come to know God because they know you. Mm-hmm. So. I try to live by that. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So, that's, that's, yeah. Sure. And, uh, and then, you uh, mentioned your, your coaching, right? Uh, Ruben, and you mentioned offline that you're heading up to Winnipeg, uh, uh, which is, uh, it'll be a fantastic trip. And, uh, we actually have a lot of listeners in Manitoba as well, but you're going to be heading there this summer for, um, was that to the police, uh, games or police, or so? police and yeah. fire world games. Right. So every, yeah, every summer in June, we have the, the, the police and fire, uh, the U S they call them U S police fire championships. And then, uh, you know, um, every two years there's the world games. And last time it was in China and two years before that it was in, uh, uh, let's see, it was in Holland. Uh, it's 2017. It was in LA and I actually was the director. I, I ran the, the, the games mm-hmm. and, and it was just, Players from various countries, you know, five teams from Brazil and Mexico. Um, you know, we had a, a team, a fire team from uh, Israel, which were very good. They actually won their division. Um, so it, it was it's a lot of fun, but it's uh, 
it's a lot of work and and uh mm-hmm. but i just do it i think i told you off air that uh i do it because of the being able to me- mentor these young men and yes and um i, d- I don't take that lightly uh mm-hmm. you know uh, i had one one individual that i coached for years and he got in some trouble and looks like he's going to potentially lose his job in two weeks. So he's not getting paid anymore. And, you know, I know his family, I know his kids, I've seen him grow up and, um, you know, he, he did a, you know, a bonehead thing and he, he knows it. And so I'm gonna, you know, write a letter to the chief for him, uh, for, you know, uh, like a character, um, letter and, and see if that helps and just trying to help him find some work. I know some people, that are always looking for, you know, law enforcement people to, to do security jobs. And so, so it's things like that. And, you know, people call me, uh, obviously I, I don't tell anybody our personal, uh, the conversations, but sometimes they'll call me, Hey, I need prayer, uh, mm-hmm. coach, you know, they know my stance and, you know, what I'm about. And, uh, or I'm, I'm thinking about taking this other job. What do you think? You know? And, uh, so it's good to, to hear those um those questions and that they're seeking perspective you know from they're seeking mentorship and uh so, so a lot of them like i'm like a like you know maybe the second father or older brother and uh and that's um that's really important to me well and this is a world full of virtue signalers i mean full of virtue signalers but not enough virtue doers and uh, i always encourage men fathers especially or even if you're retired you know if there's an opportunity for you to get involved in something like sports we know professional, you know, professional sports has uh, really been taken over by, uh, you know, all kinds of different vices that we see, which oh, is yeah. unfortunate because pro sports can be fun to follow. And I mm-hmm. certainly am one that follows it as well. But we can also make idols of athletes and, and leagues as well. But uh, when you talk about amateur sports and, uh, you know, coaching uh, children, youth sports, if you get an opportunity to do it, do it. It's, uh, it's important. Um, and like I said, shut off the noise of the world and say, okay, you know, God's putting you in a position to to be a coach. You can be a lot more than just teaching mm-hmm. someone how to throw a baseball or shoot a hockey puck or kick a soccer ball around. Uh, uh, you can be so much more and uh, ask God to give you the grace to be that uh, that influence and that light to uh, to these other these other people, especially young men. I think that's yes. so important right now, isn't it, uh, Ruben? So right, you could learn so much. To teach life lessons from sports. You know, to be part of a team and to. Um, you know, the responsibilities of, of, um, and dedication, commitment, you know, um, the teamwork, all the, those things, uh, can be learned through, through playing sports and, uh, knowing that you're not always going to get your way, you know, and there's, um, where you have to follow direction. You have to, you know, some, some, some people, you know, need a kick in the butt to get them going and other people, you know, I have players that want to become coach. Well, what can I do to, to get more playing time? You know, um, uh, or if I'm harsh, I'm too harsh on somebody. They, they, you know, they, they drop their head and then they're, they're, they're pretty much demoralized for the rest of the game. So, you, you know, there's no such thing as treating your players equally. You just can't because everybody's different. So you have to, you know, coach them to the, the way they, um, that stimulates them and motivates them if, if, uh, if you need to. So yeah. some butts need to be kicked and then sometimes you need a pat on yeah. the shoulder and uh, some reassurance that you're, you're doing yeah. okay. Right. Everybody 
responds differently for sure. So exactly. Uh, the world of law enforcement, uh, as uh, you told some fantastic stories the last time you came on, and I, I want to thank you again. We had such great uh, feedback from the last time you came on, which is, sorry, I was telling you offline, it's been uh, over a year already thank since you. you came on, but uh, everybody loved it. Great stories uh, being in law enforcement. But uh, being a, a Catholic and, and being a police officer, uh, obviously you already mentioned that you know you kind of held in a different standard, right? People are watching you, and I think that it's not just in law enforcement, but it's in every uh, area of our lives, our careers. Uh, people yeah. watch you. They know you're Catholic. They know what Catholics stand for. When they see a phony Catholic, they know what a phony Catholic is. And I always say that that's just a part of God's grace for people that uh, that don't know him and they don't know the church yet, is that they can they can see uh, somebody that's genuine, that mm-hmm. has integrity very quickly, right? Um, the journey to the Catholic Church for you, you've, you were baptized a Catholic. You had... Uh, uh, kind of a lapse, but you came back to the church again. What was interesting is uh, you discovered the traditional Latin mass and it's been in the news a lot in the yes. church recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to ask you about that journey, maybe first to coming back to Catholicism, coming back to mass and the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And then I guess maybe that extra little bit of jet fuel that uh, that you discovered on your journey to eternal life when you discovered the traditional Latin mass. Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about those experiences. Sure, I'd uh, love to. Um, when I was introduced to, to a, a holy priest who's no longer with us, may he rest in peace. He um, he just opened up my eyes to um, a world that and and the faith that really came to life for me. I, I couldn't believe why or how you know this was. It's like our our inheritance had been stolen from us because. Um, in the in the traditional Latin Mass, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different devotions, and the the Mass is so beautiful, and the, you know, the, the opportunity to to meditate and contemplate, and the holy silence that goes on at Mass, and coming from a military, you know, paramilitary organization, the movements are so precise. Uh, there's no ad living in there, and uh, you know, it's it's like the general is leading us through, you know, to into battle. Uh, I saw that, um, you know, the, where he's the priest is standing at Orientum, so he's like at the point, at the tip of the spear. He is, uh, he's like I said, he's that he's the general leading us into battle, and we're and we're following him. And uh, and what's going on in the altar is, you know, it's sacred, and um, it, it just uh, there's no noise like you're used to in in the the, the new mass and people talking and, and, uh, you know, especially before mass and after mass, you want to get in there early and, and, and prepare yourself and pray up. And, uh, that was one of my biggest complaints is that, you know, I, I sometimes try to do my, my Thanksgiving in the old mass. And I mean the, in the uh, new mass and, um, and there's just so much noise and like, could you, could you just please take that outside? You know, go, go have your coffee and donuts. I, I just, I just want to give my thanks, make my Thanksgiving here. You know, it was so difficult. Um, but thanks be to God that, uh, you know, I, I got around um, a holy priest and uh, it was, it's all about the association, you know, um, like they say, it, you know, you, you hang out with five losers, you're going to be the sixth and, if you, uh, you know, you, you hang out with uh, five people who are on fire for the faith, you're going to be the sixth, you know, it's just, mm. you, you know, the, the, you're the, uh, the product of, of your, 
um, you know, the, the people you surround yourself with. And so I was hearing, I was hearing sermons from, you know, the father would just, uh, he would bring up sermons from St. John Vianney and St. Um, you know, Alphonsus Liguori and, you know, um, just, he'd bring up the great doctors of the church and, and, and just, there was so much substance to his sermons that I said, how come I didn't hear these things before, you know, talking about the four last things and, um, you know, heaven, hell, death and judgment. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that, uh, we have to, uh, you know, our faith, it's not, you know, it's not once saved, always saved, like some of the Protestants and, and some of that, that belief has led into the Catholic, uh, church. Uh, in fact, I, I was just at a funeral the other day and, that's uh, there was a Catholic family and that's all they kept talking about was, Oh, he's in a better place now. And, um, mm. you know, uh, uh, quite frankly, you know, it, it was, it was a, a suicide. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tragedy is that if everybody thinks that way, then nobody's praying for him. You know, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, objectively speaking, we know our faith teaches us that, you know, that's, uh, you know, a mortal sin. Um, but and that he's he could be lost but uh you know we don't know maybe at the time uh at the time he you know uh christ appeared to him you know that he had that uh repentance and mm-hmm. true contrition and then uh, the lord's going to take into account all the prayers uh, of the people you know that are going on today or or and um you know because god is outside of time so He's can apply those prayers to this young man's heart so that, you know, he could, he could say yes to Jesus, you know, and, uh, but when people believe that, you know, Hey, I, he knew Jesus. And so he's, he's good to go. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's very scary and, um, it's not charitable at all, right? No, yeah. it isn't. And you know, they pretty much canonize you before you, you know, <laughs> the church canonizes you. Mm-hmm. We were talking to about uh, about Bishop O'Connell, who was who was murdered and very tragically, very yes. sad. Uh, did a lot of great things in the church for the the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, but uh, but also you know there's sometimes you you fall to your your lower nature. It's uh, no one's perfect, right? And and to uh, to meet a real untimely death like that is, uh, I think, for any Catholic that's serious about their faith, that's a scary thought. I know that's. I don't want to say it's a fear of mine, but I pray that I can have the last sacraments. And if you, Absolutely. you know, know your faith and you know the the theology of uh, the four last things, you know how much that means for you and for your salvation. If you get that chance to to uh, to receive the the final sacraments, but at the the funeral for Bishop O'Connell, you know, there was this this feeling of that he's in heaven already. Like you know, it's like we're canonizing someone. Like you're, yeah. you're mentioning before, Reuben. And it's not charitable to Bishop O'Connell. He's our brother in Christ, and we and I'm I'm sure wherever he is, let's have confidence where he is, that he would be like, please pray for me, exactly pray for my soul. Uh, and it's like any you know our family members, and of course we see that even in our parish too. You know where, um, you know these these folks, um, a lot of their kids, their grandkids have lost the faith, lost the supernatural faith. And everybody's in heaven and nobody, everybody just forgets to, to offer masses for him. It's such a pious tradition yeah. in the church for, for centuries to to pray masses for people's souls. So we, we have to be 
um, so careful uh, with that and so charitable to remember that uh, we have a big church that's uh, the church suffering that we need to be uh, mindful of every day and, and every moment of the day, really, if we can offer it up in the morning. Right, Ruben? That's a great time to be uh, to offer your day for the, the holy souls in purgatory, those who are near death. And that's something you think about throughout the day. And you can say little small prayers. Uh, you know, every time you go by a, a cemetery as well, say a prayer for the dead. It's uh, just short prayers and uh, we'll... We'll know uh, when we get to the end uh, of our lives, we'll see how efficacious they were for other people. And, and hopefully when those souls are in heaven, they pray for us. So the traditional Latin Mass, I think I told you, well, I did tell you after uh, before we, we started chatting is that I, I went as well. First time ever. Took my family. It was great. I've always, and I've said this several times in the podcast, I consider myself a traditionally minded Novus Ordo going Catholic. So uh, there was no surprises for me there. I kind of knew what was going to happen. I'd been to the uh, the Ordinariate before, which I know you're familiar with as well, Ruben. Um, and Terry Barber, who was our guest uh, a few episodes ago, that's uh, the chapel that he has is, is I believe, yes. that that's a mem- it's an Ordinariate parish, right? Um, also, uh, we have a lot of Ukrainian Catholics in Western Canada, so I've been to, uh, to the Mass there. They celebrate it very uh, reverently. They do everything three times, which I think is, is beautiful. Um, but it was, uh, like you said, I, I love the the precision that it was in order. And sometimes yeah. we see things are out of order. And maybe that's kind of our issue in the church right now is, you know, we're, we're, we're out of order. We seem to be a little too consumed with the things of the world versus the things of Christ. And and uh, we, defend, we defend narratives of the world as opposed to defending the souls of people. But um, that's what I really loved about the the traditional Latin mass. I'm looking forward to going again and more frequently, but uh, yeah, how is that? Um, I guess that focus on the sacraments, particularly of the Eucharist. Uh, the other thing that struck me about it was there's a long line to go to the confessional. There's two priests at this particular parish. So uh, mm-hmm. one was celebrating the, the mass, the other one was hearing confessions. So uh, there was a long line. So people were taking those sacraments seriously, but yeah, how has that uh, affected your daily life? That, that return to, I guess maybe a greater reverence for the the Eucharistic Lord. Yes, um, thanks. Thanks for for asking. Um, and, uh, you mentioned you, you just uh, attended your first one. Well, he, uh, there's a, a a friend. Well, I I, I just I rip, I met him because uh, his the last job he was at his his secretary um, he was working the gang unit and his secretary. Um, was my former secretary. Um, well, you know, they don't use that term anymore. It's professional staff, you know? So she was, a she was working when I was, uh, working in the detective bureau, she was, you know, my secretary there and, um, or the, you know, the, the detective bureau secretary. And anyway, she, um, she told him about the radio show and, and he, she saw that he had Catholic, um, devotionals on his desk and you know um, images um, prayer cards and stuff on his desk so she knew he was catholic and then so he wanted to meet me and we we, we talked and had a long conversation and but i had never met him in person and uh i was going out to another station to pick up some things from my wife's retirement and uh she uh or excuse me he he got a hold of me and i said hey i'm he, he's transferred to that station now he's promoted to sergeant and so I got a chance to, to meet him and then uh, invited him to mass. He went to his first Latin mass yesterday. And much like you, he was just blown away by what he saw. I mean, 
I told him, don't expect to, to, to be able to understand it and, and that it's going to take at least a, a month to, to figure out what's going on. And but just, you know, watch what the priest is doing. You don't have to follow, you know, read every prayer. But I try to help him um, to show him where we were in the missile. And uh, but he wants to keep coming. You know, it's it, it was just amazing uh, when you just stop and watch the priest um, you know, clean the vessels, you know, the chalice and how meticulous he is and, and the way he, he wipes off the patent and, you know, he consumes the, uh, you know, with puts water in the, the chalice and, and consumes it. And every particle is so important because every particle of the Eucharist contains the, the whole Jesus. So, you know, uh, it's what a difference because I, you know, and, and some, Nova Soro parishes, and I'm not trying to, you know, put them down, but just, I, and it's just my observation that I, I've seen where they don't even, I've seen them just kind of put things aside and do it later, you know, back in the, in the sacristy. Um, or the, I've, I've heard where a priest said, uh, it's not my job to do, do the dishes. And I said, mm. wow, what a difference, you know, the mindset is um, that, uh, the, in the in the traditional mass, there are the people. I, I, I'm I'm I know I'm not trying I'm not trying to be uh, disingenuous, but the majority of people know their faith at a higher level than in the average parish in the Nova Sordo. and um, you can say that because the statistics bear out. You know um, some of the uh, their beliefs, and uh, I I think I, I have an article here too that 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 shows just that what i'm saying you know the real the pre, they believe in the lack of the real belief in the presence of the real presence of jesus in the eucharist and a number of other topics but uh just the the way that uh there's such care is given to 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 make sure that, that jesus is is um is honored and respected and 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 uh adored and you know, you know, and you you can see in in the the people that are attending, you could see that they know who they're coming before. You know that this is the God of the universe. This is the Creator, and um, and it's just the the silence is just it's just beautiful. It, you know, and and I don't, I don't know if I mentioned the last time, but some one of the devotions I have is when I'm approaching the the altar rail or as walking up the aisle. I'm inviting the Blessed Mother to to come with me, you know, and uh, in a sense, I I kind of move, hold my arm out like like if I was walking, you know, uh, the bride up the aisle, you know, and I and I'm, I'm I let her take my arm and I have her accompany me here because, you know, in in um, in case there was some uh, you know sin, venial sin, or you know, God forbid, I, you know. I, I don't think I have any mortal sins of our, otherwise I wouldn't have approached, but, uh, but just, you know, for her to, to, to be there with me so that when Jesus sees her with me, um, he's going to look kindly on me. And, um, mm. so that's just uh, something that I, I have done for a number of years. And so if any of your listeners want to, want to do that, I, it just, it just deepens my devotion. And, um, so it's just uh, something that I do. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful image. 
I like that. I think it was Dr. Edward Sree that also um, uh, mentioned, uh, you know, it's being like a marriage and it makes a lot of sense, right? When you think of walking down an aisle, um, you know, to, to be married to someone, uh, receiving the Eucharist is, is like a marriage to our Lord, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's like the, symbol, oh, symbol the, com- the, the consummation, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. And a lot of people don't realize and just forget because they, nobody's ever taught them, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. prior to 1960, this is how the great saints of our church celebrated mass. They went to the, it was all in Latin and produced a, a amazing, uh, amount of saints that we yeah. certainly, um, you know, venerate to this day. And they, they all went to that mass. Right. And so I, I think it's important. We don't forget about that. Um, so what what is kind of the what's been new I guess around uh, your archdiocese or because you're still in Los Angeles right in that area there Ruben yeah well I'm actually I live in San Bernardino County so, so that's a different diocese um it's a different diocese yeah okay but it, but but I'll I'll sometimes attend a mass in LA um, the LA diocese but it for the most part um, the the taxes, the taxes are cheaper here in in San Marino County. It's lower. <laughs> L.A. County, it's I think you pay a ten percent tax, and and in San Bernardino County, it's seven point seven five. Oh boy, yeah, that's a little uh, bit of a I, I think everybody's getting taxed to death here. But uh, in in the Archdiocese of Edmonton, there is only one traditional lap mass uh, mm. parish that I'm familiar with, and it's uh, definitely thriving. The the numbers uh, certainly state that. Um, what is the, um, I guess the the effects of you know some of this pressure that's coming from the Vatican, and even Pope Francis on uh, this suppression of, of traditional Latin Mass. That uh, I'm I'm sad about it. You know, like I said, I've only that was the first time I'd ever uh, attended the traditional Latin Mass. But obviously, we know a lot of families that attend, and uh, it was very heartbreaking for them. And and I could see that it was uh, giving them a lot of pain. And it's always worse spiritually when it's the people that are supposed to be taking care of you, that are supposed to be guiding you uh, in this road to eternal life, when they do something that that hurts like that, that doesn't make any sense. No, um, it doesn't. What has the this news in the last couple of weeks, really, and, and several months, what has that meant for your particular parish? And have there been any changes that you've seen here as uh, we kind of kick off the 2023 year? Uh, well, it's... Uh, it could very much put a, a damper on things at the, at the, the parish that I attend. It's um, it's a diocesan uh, parish, but it's privately owned. I mean, the family. Uh, it's called San Segundo de Asti. It's it's uh, or short de Guasti, and uh, the the surviving members of the family still own it, and they allow the diocese of San Bernardino to use it. And it's a it's a very um, reverent parish. Uh, they have two Latin masses and two very orthodox um, Novus Ordo uh, okay, masses. Okay, so they they're sharing then, similar yeah. to the parish to Edmonton as well. Okay. Yeah. So that, so but uh, but but even the Novus Ordo masses, um, they still uh, receive communion on their knees at the altar rail on their tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, no women in the sanctuary, um, no altar girls. Um, the, the, the same choir director leads all the masses. So he chants, uh, in both masses, you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot of Latin in the, 
in the novus ordo masses there. And, um, and that's just a result of a really holy priest that was there for 20 years who, who died about five, four or five years ago. And, uh, but his, you know, his offspring, so to speak, have, have kept it going. And, uh, the people, it's not really in a, in a community. So people have to drive to get there. It's more in an industrial area. It's actually by the Ontario airport. And so um, it's, it's not a neighborhood where, you know, people can get there and walk there. And they actually sometimes drive great distances to go there. So that could be on the chopping block. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I, I mentioned that I, there's, there's a, an article out on um, on the differences between, you know, a survey that was taken between the, the Latin mass uh, attendees and the Novus Ordo Catholics. And I just think it's worth pointing out, you know, mm-hmm. this is the, this is the mindset. Um, it says that 2% of TLM, Trisalat mass attending Catholics approved of contraception versus 89% of Novus Ordo Catholics. 1% oh. of, TLM Catholics approved of abortion compared to 51% of Novus Ordo attendees. 99% of traditional Catholics said they attend mass weekly. 99% versus 22% of Novus Ordo. And 2% of TLMers, they go, they, they approved of gay marriage as opposed to 67% of the Novus Ordo marriage. So, wow. Um, Can you send me yeah, that, uh, that story? I sure will. Catholics, yeah, I'll, I'll include yeah. that in the show notes. And they're also they're also um, Catholics in the in the traditional parish. They they uh, they give more uh, generously. Right. They give six uh, percent of their income as opposed to one point two percent. You know of of Nova Soto people, and the fertility rate. And this is and, and this is one of the things that uh, I think is bothering Pope Francis. The traditional Catholics had a fertility rate of 3.6 versus 2.3 in the Novus Ordo, mm. indicating a nearly 60% larger family size. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to these masses, there are children everywhere, David. There's um, And uh, and I know that in the traditional seminaries, whether it be FSSP, Christ the King, the SSPX, they're busting at the seams. In fact, one of my buddies at, at at church, his brother is in the in the seminary for the FSSP, and and I know we'll talk about this uh, the new directive that the Pope is is coming out with, and that could and that could affect him because um, they don't want he doesn't want any more ordinations in the in the traditional. So, um, yeah, and, and this is what it's going to affect these people who. You know who love this mass, who uh, who are attending attending it more frequently than their Novus Ordo counterparts, and uh, and that's what he doesn't like is that the fact is that, you know, and I hate to speak disparagingly about the Pope, but it's he, he's um, he's you know he had I mean it's no secret he had Klaus Schwab over in the Vatican, he's entertained Joe Biden their their buddies. And he's a globalist, you know, so he uh, he's on that the same part, you know, uh, Archbishop Vigano talks about the deep state and versus the deep church, you know, and um, this is the this is the problem we're, we're having here is because uh, he doesn't want he doesn't want to see the, the growth in this in the Latin mass, especially through COVID, David, um, 
Yeah. It really, it really boomed. It, it really blossomed. I mean, I know the, uh, the SSPX appears uh, near me. They, they were busting at the seams, you know, yeah. because they, they're the only one that stayed open. Mm-hmm. In fact, during that time, um, I was a, a handful of friends. It kind of, it actually, the group got to about a hundred people and we were praying in front of the cathedral in, in Los Angeles and we were exhorting Archbishop Gomez, the LA um, Archbishop to, um, to open the churches, you know, and, and to allow us to receive the sacraments and, and uh, have, you know, people were, were dying without the sacraments. People, babies were not being mm-hmm. baptized. Um, people couldn't get married. Uh, all these different things. You couldn't, you couldn't receive communion. I mean, excuse me. Well, yeah, communion, but you couldn't, you couldn't uh, have your confessions heard. So that was just. Uh, and looking back now, than- Ruben, doesn't it look, it just, it's to our shame. It to is. our eternal shame. Uh, as, and it's collective too. Our friend Eric Sammons joined us on the last episode. We talked about uh, uh, the statistic of 5 million Catholics have not re- re- come back to mass after yeah. that dispensation from two and a half years ago. And looking yeah. back, Ruben, it's just so silly. I mean, I know you called it out on, on the radio program and everybody at Virgin Most Powerful Radio is all singing from the same songbook there. As were we of, of this uh, the so-called plague, you know, and, and look at the examples we've had, Ruben, throughout history. Look at the St. Charles Borromeo and uh, dealing with a real plague where people were actually dropping dead on the street uh, in yeah. you know thousands, and it was uh, legitimate. But uh, everybody still received communion on their tongue. They still did catechesis on street corners. They still yeah. had confessions. They did do some things to... To make sure that uh, you know the 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 disease would be wouldn't be spread, but I thought that was really key. Was everybody still received on their tongue? And somebody and I've challenged other people if anybody's ever found some sort of a study, but any kind of illness, sickness, virus has never been uh, transmitted through the reception of the body and blood of Jesus Christ that I've ever heard. So um, you know we need to encourage our bishops and priests and even in the laity to. Realize that we, we belong to the supernatural. You know, Jesus, the, the all-powerful, our Lord and Savior. And uh, while there is a, a temporal part of our, of our church, there's a supernatural part. And mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to reception of the Eucharist, um, you know, to take that away from people. And now looking back, Ruben, on this, uh, this whole, um, this so-called pandemic, mm-hmm. it makes us all look so silly. And precious few, you know, I've heard the odd politician here and there that is apologizing saying, hey, we're sorry, you know, we, we made some mistakes given the, the information we had, but the church really hasn't made any of those apologies, Ruben, which I think is very scandalous. And I know talking to a lot of non-Catholics, they believe that the church should say something because whether that came to uh, religious, religious exemptions, uh, to even just, you know, having doors open to go to church and to pray and receive the sacraments or uh, they said, you know, that the church really dropped the ball there, and it's pretty hard to argue against that, you know. So. Well, you don't bite the hand that feeds you, David. They, um, yeah. it, it was, was that? determined that that the church received billions uh, in funding from the government to stay closed. Um, you know, as part of the COVID, you know, like the like federal aid from from uh, because of the pandemic, 
So they actually made more money, at least, you know, here in, in California, they made more money than had they, you know, there are all the different charities that they request, you know, the, whether it's, you know, for, um, you know, missionary programs or uh, Peter's Pants or all, all these different things that they, they ask for. And they, when the amount of money, and I don't have this, we talked about it on Virgin Most Powerful, but uh, so I don't have the figures in my, you know, off the top of my head, but it was so outrageous, you know, how much more the money they earned, they didn't earn it, but the money that was given to them to stay closed in essence and, you know, and um, obey and, you know, their, uh, their, the governments, they, they made more money than if they had, everybody was given to the charities and collected that way. But uh, so it's, it's very scandalous. And, you know, and they're going to have to answer to God for, for that, Mm -hmm. for for keeping the sacraments away from us. And, you know, it's, it's that, uh, you know, I like that one uh, saying that, uh, well, it's not even a saying, it's, it's, it's uh, St. John Hughes, uh, he preached it. And um, some of you who may not be familiar with it, it's, these are the priests and the bishops were given because, because of our lifestyle and what we pr- we're promoting here. And I'll just, for your listeners, I'll just, if they don't, they're not aware of it. St. John Hughes said this, the most evident mark of God's anger and the most terrible castigation he can inflict upon the world is manifest when he permits his people to fall into the hands of a clergy who are more in name than indeed priests who practice the cruelty of ravening wolves rather than the charity and affection of devoted shepherds. They abandon the things of God to devote themselves to the things of the world. And in their saintly Mm -hmm. calling of holiness, they spend their time in profane and worldly pursuits. When God permits such things, it is a very positive proof that he is thoroughly angry with his people and is visiting his most dreadful wrath and is visiting its, his most dreadful wrath upon us. Hmm. So that's the greatest castigation God can give us is giving us um, very uh, worldly shepherds and, and you know priests and bishops. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's on us, you know, mm-hmm. lifestyle. And I, it's, it's so evident here in Los Angeles being the, you know, Hollywood with the, the movie industry and the music industry. It, it's, there's just so much, um, sinfulness, corruption and uh, immorality, debauchery, you name it. So, uh, and you know, and then, you know, we have areas like San Francisco and Hollywood where, you know, they're like the gay capital of the world, uh, you know, LGBT right. uh, promoters yeah, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, our, uh, former speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi, that was her district, San Francisco. And mm-hmm. it is, I won't even set foot over there. It used to be a very beautiful city, you know, and, uh, you can go eat at the wharf and, you know, right on the, on the water and, it's just the homelessness is rampant. It's it's I, I'm not sure if it's it's worse than than Los Angeles, but they're right around you know the same um, rampant drug use and uh, and just it's it's unsafe. You know the the crime is 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 on the rise and and uh, I just don't know anybody who would want to go visit those those cities. You know I try to stay out of Los Angeles. 
downtown Los Angeles, I should say, because it's it's a it's pathetic, you know. Well, you mentioned two politicians here: so Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, baptized mm-hmm. Catholics and, and, and apostles. Yes. Uh, and right. we talk, well, St. John Eudes and the, the wisdom of our great saint talking about clergy. But I think mm-hmm. it's also a, a scourge on the rest of Catholics when we have people in political leadership positions that use the Catholic faith as a, as a weapon mm-hmm. against us. And Because uh, like I said earlier, I think people know what a real Catholic believes. So when they see this, it, it, it becomes um, almost like a parody. It's a joke to them, right? And yeah. And maybe that's the kind of the kicker, I guess, is, you know, it's hard to watch as a Catholic. So, you know, I think we see a lot of non-Catholics that are thirsting for truth. And a lot of them, you know, in the last couple of years, I've noticed uh, for sure, I've observed that a lot of them have become allies of of Catholics, of, of goodwill and, and of the church. Uh, but my observation is, I guess, when you're when you're falling short, your your clergy, your, your laity, talk about politicians when we're falling short as Catholics not showing them that there's a black and white there's there's such thing as concupiscence there's such thing as the fallen nature of man uh, the reality of the devil and sin uh, mm-hmm. vice versus vice versus virtue um, right so if Catholics can't be the salt of the earth without living in a state of grace we know we can't do that we can't be that salt without being in a, a state of sanctifying grace and we're mm-hmm. teaching the truths of Christ in the church when that's lacking then you get these these movements that come forward. They have these imperfect motives, almost. You know, I'd say that uh, you know maybe political conservatism would be an example of that, right? Intentions of goodwill, but um, but quick to kind of capitulate or to to compromise with the culture. You know, we've seen that with with gay marriage. We're seeing that with this this gender ideology now. It's you know these certain movements that uh, agree with a lot of things that right. a Catholic would say, but they're saying, oh, but on this issue we can we can be lax here and. We're saying uh, offline too, Ruben, of how things have descended into this uh, this moral chaos just in the last couple of years. It just gets worse. It seems by the week. Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult, isn't it, as as a Catholic to sit and, and watch this, especially people like like us that are you know we've worked. I know you're retired now, but you have a family, you know, a grandchild. I've got children myself. You're working. You're trying to uh, raise them in the faith, and it's like, man, what what can we do as as Catholics, you know, to, to help out and to change, but it's, it's difficult, yes. isn't it? It's discouraging. It, it, it is. It, um, you know, and the world is so, they draw so many of the young to it, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, eat, drink and be merry. The, the, you know, you know, you only live once. So you, you know, let's live, live it up. And, um, I, you know, I tell them, no, you only die once you live every day, you know, you, you should be preparing for the day you die. That's what life is all about, actually. You know, you want to be ready to meet your maker. And, uh, and you know, going back to the traditional, um, you know, sacramentals that we use, you know, and, you know, I, I, I'm very much, um, you know, I don't go anywhere without my, I never take my, my brown scapular off, you know, and I, mm, I think good. I mentioned that in the last show, like, I wouldn't be caught dead without it you know, going to Me work, too. especially. And, um, but to be a, a faithful um, devotee of the rosary, you know, and um, our mother Mary has given us promises for those who, who pray the rosary daily. And, and then if you die in a state of grace with your scapular on it, um, I mean, I, I, I want to have all my bases covered, David. I don't know about you, but I'm not, nope. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> taking any chances, you know? Yeah. I had sometimes we we had guys in in you know 
probably not so much today, but when I was coming up, there were some guys at old school and they said, ah, it's too hot today. It's the summer. I'm not wearing my vest today, my bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. Like, Are you kidding me? You know, um, why wouldn't you want that insurance? Why wouldn't you want, you know, have a fighting chance, you know? And uh, I did have one friend that I'm really close to who, who was of that mindset. And uh, he, he fortunately had a partner that cared enough about him that says, look, you know, we're not going to go. I'm not working with you. If you don't go back and put your vest on, I'm not, I'm going to just, I'm not going out with you. Hmm. We're not, we're not leaving the station. And uh, so he put it on that night. There was a shooting and uh, he was around an assault rifle was used by this gang member shooting at, at assault and, and around skipped off the hood of the, the top of the radio car. And he was, his unit had just come up, got out of the car and he got hit in the chest the round was tumbling and it hit him sideways. It still would have killed him without the vest, but the vest and, and the fact, and it would, the vest wouldn't have stopped the round if it had come, we had not been the, you know, the, uh, had not hit something first and was tumbling, but it, uh, it lodged in his trauma plate and knocked him on his mm. rear end. And, uh, wow. he's alive today because he, um, he, his, his partner knew, uh, cared enough about him to force him to wear his, his vest. But now we have, you know, we have Catholics that are walking around that know, don't know anything about the Brown scapular mm-hmm. or they, they don't know how to say the rosary, pray the rosary. And, uh, you know, on the different, different devotions that we have, like the first Saturdays, the first five Saturdays, the first nine Fridays, you know, you don't, I was just talking to my friend that came to the mass with me um, yesterday. <laughs> Those are things that have kind of gone by the wayside in a lot of local parishes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. tell you about them. We just had Ember Days in last week, you know, and in the traditional calendar. Oh, they're like, what's an Ember Day, you know? So those are things that we have been lost and they need to be, They, you know, we need to uh, re-educate our Catholic brethren of the beauty of the Catholic faith. And uh, these are all, you know, remedies and these are all things that, the church and its in its wisdom has given us to help us navigate, you know, the the world that we live in, and uh, and just to, to give us that armor that we need to, you know, to increase in virtue and and and, and to deny ourselves. So, uh, yeah, that's that's un- unfortunate that that our, a lot of our leaders are are not. Uh, I'm not giving us the the nourishment that we need. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Mark Hauk. Uh, this is the uh, the gentleman that's uh, uh, a yes. pro life. Um, uh, I don't know, I don't want to see demonstrator. That's not the right. He's a worker in the pro life movement. Got a, yes. a, a big beautiful family. I believe he's got seven kids. Uh, right. A lot of people saw in the news that uh, a Catholic gentleman as well. Uh, and it, this seems to be a trend of anti-Catholicism. It's not just in the United States. This has happened in the United States, but here in Canada, we've experienced it too with these burnt churches and uh, a rise in anti-Catholic activity of, I think it's like 250% or something in the last year for Catholics. But in the United mm-hmm. States, this seems to be a target and it's uh, it was very odd. Now, we already mentioned that, you know, there's some people of that are non-Catholics that are people of goodwill that seem to be reaching out and, and uh, they're trying their best to 
to seek for truth. And I, I really wanted to make sure I mentioned that I believe it was a, a senator, Josh Hawley was his name. Yes. A, a fantastic exchange that he had that. with an attorney general, uh, Merrick Garland, or the attorney general yes. of the United States. Maybe tell us a bit about that exchange. But again, uh, the story was Mark Houck, this uh, pro-life advocate, uh, arrested at gunpoint by a SWAT team <laughs> at his house. I mean, it's, it just seems uh, just crazy to even to even talk about it. But uh, yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about that, Ruben, and just generally what you've been observing here in the last year when it comes to attacks against Catholicism and pro-life uh, especially. Sure. Um, yeah, Mark Howe, you know, he's been a pro-life in the pro-life movement for many years. Uh, and he happened to be praying in front of an abortion uh, clinic and uh, his 12-year-old, um, I believe it was his son, yes, was harassed by uh, a woman um, that was, uh, you know, getting in his face and Mark how um, just pushed pushed her out of the way and um, you know as 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 a uh, a caring father you, you don't want some adult you know getting in your uh, in, in harassing your children and hmm. so he anyway he um, you know he went home that day and uh, later on come to find out that uh, the uh, the DOJ run by run by uh, Merrick Garland um, has the FBI sent over to his, to Mark house house. And uh, he ends up um, getting him uh, taking a team of about at least 20 um, FBI uh, agents in, in riot gear, or I should say SWAT gear. And uh, it's just, it was like completely overkill, you know, um, the way that uh, they came at him, he was, he was, they arrested him for uh, allegedly violating the freedom of access to clinic entrances. The, they call it the FACE Act. And uh, the local, you know, the local jurisdiction didn't want anything to do with that, uh, didn't deem it as a crime. And the feds picked it up and uh, he was, like like you mentioned, he, they came to his house in full gear uh, with long rifles. It's kind of uh, ironic. Huh? These these liberals who uh, who are constantly uh, coming at us for our Second Amendment rights, uh, you know, with uh, saying that guns should be outlawed, but but when it's right. for their use, it's okay, you know. Yeah, they they're okay. coming to his house with with long Truly. guns, you know. And, uh, <laughs> helmets and vests and everything coming on. So uh, they, and he, he was already planning on turning himself in his, through his attorney. They said he would turn himself in, but that wasn't good enough for them. They actually, they, they wanted to make, uh, make an example out of him. Uh, so they show up in force uh, trying to intimidate him Um potentially with the intent to injure him, you know, and they, they're trying to intimidate him and anyone else that wants to interfere with anyone because that person, uh, you know, produces, they, 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 they're all for reproductive health. I, I don't know why they call it reproductive health because there's nothing reproducing when you're aborting kids. Um, so he, he pleaded not guilty. And, um, you know, they're saying that he forcefully shoved, uh, Bruce Love, a 72-year-old volunteer at a Philadelphia Planned Parenthood 
So, um, you know, his uh, there was a um, an article. Uh, I think he was a, a journalist from Fox News Digital. He, he said he called it an outrageous abuse of power, and I would have to agree with him. And um, it's just the Biden, the Joe Biden Department of Justice. It's just it's pure intimidation against pro life people and people mm-hmm. of faith. Yeah. And um, and he was represented by an attorney uh, from the Thomas More Society. Um, which is a terrific uh, law firm that helps Catholics. Uh, you know, it was the same same society that helped uh, the Protestant pastor um, uh, over in California who, who fought against Governor Newsom to, to op- keep his church open. Uh, I think his name is Pastor McCarthy. And then uh, Father um, uh, Burfett from the SSPX in, uh, in Arcadia, California, sued the governor using the same Thomas More Society and one. So, you know, they're, they're, they're going there with a show of force to trying to intimidate, you know, and I, I understand what they're trying to do, but it's just overkill. Now we used to send uh, David, when I worked the gang unit and uh, I worked in patrol, I worked uh, an area they call it East Los Angeles, which is, uh, it's a very high gang rate there. A guy, a gang um, in the neighborhoods, there's, there's so many gang members in that, in those neighborhoods. But, um, but um, we would send a message to the gangs with a show of force when they killed or attempted to kill one of our fellow deputies, you know, or local police. And so we had the ability to unleash the wrath of God upon them, you know, mm. and we would, you know, uh, and we would target any and all of their associates. We round them up one by one and, and we'd have zero tolerance. We enforced the strict letter of the law um, and we brought them all in because then we would start, you know, interrogating them and they would start, uh, you know, giving up information, you know, and um but we were doing it all within the law. And uh, so, so I personally have been involved in, 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 in things like that. And, but it, but it was justifiably so, but what the FBI is doing under the direction of attorney general uh, Garland and uh, the FBI director, I think his name is Ray. Um, yeah. I think his, yeah, his name is um, Christopher Ray. He's a, uh, he's a poor excuse for a, a, an FBI director. And, um, you know, the example I was giving you, you know, it's, it's precisely why prison gangs who control the street gangs here in America, they don't endorse violence against law enforcement because it brings unwanted attention to them. And it's bad for business. You know, they're nefarious business. So um, but, it, you know, to see this, it's like that was the whole reason I got into law enforcement, David, is I didn't like bullies. And what the FBI is, they've been politicized and um you know the the rank and file i guess um you know there's still a lot of good guys in the fbi but from the top down it's you know at least the people running it there's so much there's so many uh liberals and um just woke people that uh are another arm of the the democratic party it's uh very it's disgusting and uh, it was great to see that Mark Hout won his uh, his his trial, and it, it wasn't even close. But uh, yeah, the the uh, the the, the uh, Josh Hawley, who you mentioned, 
Mm-hmm. He grilled Mayor, Mayor Garland. It's fantastic. And, uh, yeah. it, was, it was amazing what he did, you know, that he's targeting Catholics. Um, but, and, and, and it goes even further than Catholics. It's trying to intimidate, you know, just people of, of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it could be Christians. It could be, you know, uh, you know, Mormons. Um, uh, very rarely do they do it to the Muslims. You know, it's yeah. no, it's open season for against Christians. But you know, <laughs> you know, you'll I, see movies. Yeah, it doesn't. But, it doesn't. It highlight Ruben the the uh, necessity for Catholics to get involved even in the political life. I mean, it's. Uh, I know everybody's got a lot going on in your, your own family, your own spiritual life. You're trying to grow in, but we need to make that time uh, that, uh, that we need to be in that, in that, uh, that arena as well. You know, I think that many years ago, you think decades ago, and this is where the Catholic church says, you know, don't be political. You know, we shouldn't be endorsing political parties. Yeah. Maybe like 80 years ago or 70 years ago beyond that, when you had issues, like everybody yeah. agreed that marriage was between a man and a woman. Right. Everybody agreed with the you know, sexes of uh, a man and a woman. Everybody agreed abortion was heinous and wrong. Even something mm-hmm. that we're dealing with in the, in Canada, well, we deal with all those things now, but one of the main things that, uh, that's a focus in the media is, is, um, assisted dying, uh, medically assisted dying euthanasia mm-hmm. these are all things that everybody agreed on it didn't matter if you were considered a liberal or a conservative whatever those you know party lines were called those were things that everybody agreed on where they got into debates was you know how much uh, money do we uh, invest in infrastructure or, or right. a simple example but something like that which is debatable it doesn't matter it's you know mm-hmm. you and i could have differences on that but that certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't affect our state of our eternal soul but now we right. have political parties where the lines are pretty clearly drawn, Ruben, both mm-hmm. in Canada, the United States, and other places as well, where there is nefarious evil. And so it right. is important that we pick a side. And to me, it's pretty obvious. You know, if you have a life, a sacramental life, and you're discerning, yeah, of course, we don't have perfect political parties. We don't have perfect political candidates unless the Blessed Virgin Mary or, or our Lord show up and start to, to decide to run for office. That's not going to happen, but... Uh, but we're, you know, we're not dumb. You know, we have reason, faith and reason together. That's what, that's who Catholics are. That's what, uh, what God has given to us. And, uh, we yes. should be able to discern these things. And, um, you know, you look at, uh, the voting records of Catholics in Canada and the United States. Again, if we have living, living life in a, a life of sacramental grace, sanctifying grace, we shouldn't be having these politicians that are running the show. It shouldn't right. have these these issues. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Ruben? <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, our country is run by the biggest apostate that uh, that we ever had in office, um, Joe Biden, mm-hmm. claiming to be a Catholic. Yet, uh, you know, you know, he he does everything in his power to to allow abortion to to exist, and and um, he says he'll sign any. He'll he veto any of these bills that he has come across his desk that will uh, marginalize those who seek to to get abortions, and um, it's just uh, amazing how um, the politicians that that are the speak the loudest that you've mentioned some of them already today, and uh, they're Catholics. You know, uh, John F. Kennedy, our uh, president um, back in the early '60s, was a uh, our first Catholic president, and he had a famous uh, saying that he was he was not going to let his 
his religious beliefs dictate his political beliefs. You know, he's gonna, he's not gonna impose his beliefs on anyone. And uh, that's the wrong, that's the wrong thing to, to say or do to mm-hmm. believe because, you know, your your faith has to come above any political party. Your belief in Jesus Christ and and His Church and His and His teachings have to be exemplified in the life you live and have to be, um, you know, especially in as a politician. You have to, um, you have a greater, uh, you know, greater responsibility to the, you know, the greater good. You, you have, you have so much more you can, you can do to make change and implement change. But when you don't do it, God forbid, you know, there's, you know, it's going to call upon God's wrath, you know, if he doesn't repent of, of, or these people don't repent of their, or their waywardness and, and their dissent. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting, David, that the Department of Justice over here, um, they they've they brought charges against 34 pro-life activists for blocking access to abortion facilities. Yet at the same time period, there were 81 attacks on pregnancy centers. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are mm-hmm. people who are trying to help uh, people who want to have their children or to try to convince them to have their children and to give them uh, the necessities you know, like diapers and formula and, and things and just the, the care that they need so that they can make the right decision to keep their baby. And um, there was 130 Catholic churches that have been uh, damaged. And yet there's only been two people charged in in all those 81 attacks or 130 church uh, destructions. It's it's quite obvious that <clears throat> that uh, they're being targeted. The, the Catholics, Christians are being targeted. Well, a big thanks again to Ruben Nava for joining us in this episode of the Catholic Connect podcast. Such great observations and insights from someone who is in law enforcement and has taken a lot of the experiences that he's had and uh, it really brought them to the forefront of his life and his life of faith in discovering, rediscovering the Catholic Church and his faith of his youth and attending the traditional Latin Mass. So again, I want to thank Ruben so much for his holy example And we'll continue to pray for him and uh, pray for all of you that are listening to this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe wherever you listen to your fine podcasts. And we really appreciate the feedback and your interactions. This universal church that we have is so beautiful. People from all over the world, so many different countries that I've had the opportunity to speak with, to uh, exchange emails over. Man, it is uh, such a blessing to do this podcast, and I thank the Lord so much for the opportunity to speak with you and to share this journey of my faith with you as well. And again, send me a note anytime. Would love to hear from you. Again, we're on Facebook and Twitter. That's the best way to get a hold of us on social media. And again, continue to pray for me and for my family as I pray for you on a daily basis. So in this time of great confusion in this world, let's not forget that we were made to be in a time such as this. God willed us for all eternity to live in this era, this time in the history of salvation. And let's not forget that perfect love casts out all fear. So let's have courage in the face of persecution and confusion in this world. And as Catholics, we've got to go to confession often, not just once a year, not just once every five years. No, let's do it at least three times every year, living in a state of sanctifying grace 
you got to go to confession every Lent, every Advent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.